Welcome into tonight's podcast episode. And uh, Jeff, we were off last week. Um, last week was a, about as rough a week as uh, I can remember. I've had some uh, rough weeks, but last week was a tough one. Um, my 92-year-old granddaddy uh, went to be with the Lord uh, last Sunday, and then uh, my 13-year-old nephew uh, went to be with the Lord all within a week um, there. And so, of course, we were off last week. And uh, I would just say this. People may be listening like, why in the world are you recording a podcast? The 92-year-old granddaddy, Auburn Smith, and then the 13-year-old Boston Como were huge sports people. You could talk sports with them uh, as the day is long. And so uh, we're going to do that tonight. We're going to talk some sports uh, I feel like it's going to be therapeutic uh, for me, uh, not looking across from somebody, you know, um, e- exchanging uh, such an emotional conversation. I can look at you, and I've never seen you show too much emotion, <laughs> so I knew that was going to be the case tonight, <laughs> and we can talk sports, man. So I'm going to spend the next hour or so getting some therapy in, and, and sports has always kind of been that uh, for me, and so we'll hope that that's the case uh, selfishly. Uh, from my standpoint tonight. So let's jump uh, right into it, Jeff, and and get started with some high school football. Yeah, we're going to get started with a little high school football from this past uh, Friday night. Pearl River Central went on the road, uh, faced a tough 6A opponent in St. Martin, uh, came up short in that one 41-28, brings PRC's record to a 1-3 overall as they head into a bye week. Seems like these weeks are coming up as much-needed bye weeks uh, here in the next two or three weeks for, for several teams around around this area. Uh, some some names and numbers to mention. Ronald Murray, uh, 11 carries for 142 yards. We've seen him run the ball, ball hard uh, back when P, uh, PRC played Poplarville at Carrier. Uh, Spikes had 16 carries for 137 yards with two touchdowns. And then Herring had a touchdown and also Linden had a touchdown. I think Linden was a 33-yard variety. Uh, touchdown as I was looking up some stats earlier. He had that one carry, 33 yards. But uh, PRC coming up a little short, one and three overall. But like you said, they head into their bye week and then face a tough Pascagoula team uh, the week after that. Yep, so they'll take their bye and to get then get into uh, district play. That's good scheduling there uh, by head coach Jacob Owen to get his team a, a break and then uh, head straight into that tough division play and that uh, we're certainly pulling for the Blue Devils to uh, get on track, and I think they have the backs and that wing tee to potentially do that when they get into district play. So that will be a team we'll keep certainly a close eye on and, and we'll report back as they are here in our home county of the podcast as we record out of Picayune and, of course, Carrier just right up the road there and a good friend of ours, uh, head coach Jacob Owen. Let's move. We'll kind of bounce here, Jeff, right. uh, as I'm scatterbrained tonight. You will see that uh, being a recurring theme. But let's look at uh, PRCC and the Wildcats and the start that they've gotten off to. Yeah, PRCC starting off the season. They're one and two overall. They're one win coming at Itawamba. Uh, kind of a tight ball game up there at Itawamba, but the Wildcats were able to pull out that win. Uh, they just uh, had a defeat. I think it was 32-29 against Colin, which was a South Division opponent as far as the uh, Mississippi, the, the state of Mississippi as far as JUCO uh, sides of it. So they're 0-1 in the South, but then they have to go on the road this Thursday to East Central. East Central is a much, much improved ball club, too, in the South. Uh, so 
Got to face another one of them South opponents. And, you know, a one and two start. Of course, East Mississippi was a loss. And then Colin uh, this past Thursday night was a loss. But uh, got to get some things turned around there if you're the head, the head coach, Coach Ted Egger, and the whole coaching staff at Pearl River Community College. Uh, one and two starts, not what they uh, – not what they wanted, but have to get some things back on track, hopefully this Thursday at East Central. Yeah, and just from following that league as long as we have, Jeff, 0-1 in the South doesn't sound terrible, but you go 0-2 in that South division, the top two teams go uh, to the playoffs. You really put yourself in a bind when you look at what Jones is going to have, what Gulf Coast is going to have. So uh, you said it, this is going to be a big ball game this Thursday night. To give your, yourself a fighting shot, you need to win the games like against an East Central opponent. So we'll see uh, what Coach Egger and his uh, team come up with on Thursday night. Yeah, and, and you mentioned you mentioned uh, Jones and you mentioned Gulf Coast. Like you said, we've covered it for so long. Colin has been a team that's been uh, here lately, a kind of a powerhouse in the South. Uh, for this JUCO league so like you mentioned going uh 0-2 in the south is not what you want uh you know if you're if you're a pro or wildcat so get that win take your take your uh standings to one and one and then two and two as far as 500 for the year clay we're going to get into this game a little bit but we're going to have a guest coming up uh, on the podcast to kind of spotlight uh the season that they're having but just to touch on a little bit of the Picayune and Gulfport game, a lot closer toward the end than what it started out to be. Picayune pulls out that win, 54-47, to 47, takes their record to 3-0 and uh, to start this season. And then the running back, number eight, Thomas, 29 carries, 343 yards and three touchdowns. There was some other uh, guys looking at the stat sheet that had a touchdown here and there, but Thomas totes the load for this Dodd Lee Picayune Maroon tie team. Yeah, that's unbelievable numbers from Cameron Thomas there. I mean, you said it, over 340 on the ground, three touchdowns. Crosby threw the air on the other side. Uh, he's at Gulfport now, used to be over at Long Beach. Uh, from all accounts, a phenomenal baseball player as well. But he moved the ball uh, through all accounts there in the second half, throwing the football. But you hang up 54 when you look at what Picayune's been able to do through their three ball games. It's been phenomenal offensively. And we'll get a chance to dive into that with an interview and, and just moments with uh, Jerry Grubbs, longtime uh, PA announcer, the voice of the Maroon Tide. And he, he's got an up-close personal view of that program. And we'll just kind of talk to him exactly where Picayune is through these three ball games. Yep. So we're going to get into more details with – uh, grubby as we call him uh, get in more details about the Picayune uh, Maroon Tide football team let's move right into this Poplarville the Iberville game Poplarville comes up short this past Friday night 42 to 22 against the the Warriors the Iberville Warriors takes their record to one and three overall uh, and a tough ball game the reason I say we're going to get into this Picayune is because Poplarville has had Laurel Poplarville has had PRC Poplarville has had Meridian Popperville's had the Iberville. This Friday night, Clay, it doesn't get any easier for Coach Jay Beach. He scheduled this. He schedules it this way to get his ball club ready for district play. This Friday night, the Maroon Tide comes calling to the Hornet Nest up there at Pop Vegas, and uh, I think it's homecoming week for the Popperville Hornets. So uh, you got them. You got the Maroon Tide coming in this Friday night. Yep. And what we've learned as we are the radio crew for uh, Popperville, Jeff, how can they find our broadcast? Because I found y'all loud and clear <laughs> Friday. And I'm going to tell you, I appreciate I, it was killing me not to be there, but to hear 
uh, the way that you and uh, JB handled that broadcast. I mean, it was everything I, I thought it would be. And then about midway through the third quarter, I told Casey, I said, man, I shouldn't have missed. These people now know what, <laughs> what it sounds like without me. But I certainly appreciate y'all toting my load last week. But tell our listeners that are interested in finding Popperville uh, football exactly how they can do that. Yeah, it's very simple. If you have an Android uh, phone or an Apple iPhone, uh, you go to your respective stores, whether it be the Google Play or the uh, Apple Store, the App Store, and you download a free app. It's MixLR, M-I-X-L-R. It's a MixLR app. Download it free. Uh, you do not have to create an account or anything. You download the app. You click on it. There will be a little, hour, uh, a little magnifying glass for a search. Search Talking Ball Y'all, all lowercase, all one word, and it'll take you straight to the page. We also have the, a link on the school's website. If you go to Popperville uh, School's website, there is a Popperville Hornet picture. You click on it, and it'll take you straight to the link. And we also have it on our website, uh, talkingball.net, www.talkingball.net. You'll see the Popperville Hornet logo. Click on it, and it takes you straight to the broadcast. Yep, so let's get back to Popperville, Jeff. One and three, you mentioned uh, – the, the schedule they've had to play, uh, played a Mandeville club that's listed as a 5A over in Louisiana, probably be a 6A, no doubt, over here across the state line. So I'm trying to, listener saying, he's trying to make that 1 and 3 <laughs> sound better. Well, for 4A, it does sound uh, better to my ears. They're ch certainly going to get their oil checked again this week against uh, Popperville. That was a Popperville club, and look, I'll make – uh, no excuses for them, but we're playing with a heavy heart. I mentioned my uh, nephew earlier uh, at the top of the podcast. Uh, Boston Como was a, a seventh-grade football player there. They had a ceremony at the hospital to honor Boston for being an organ donor um, Friday, and you look up, and the whole senior class from Popperville um, football team is there in uniform along with the seventh-grade team, and so um, – for that program to to do what they did down in New Orleans on Friday was uh, will never be forgotten by the family. And then to make the trip over to Diaverville, I can't even imagine. So no excuses made uh, there, certainly. But um, I have a feeling that it's going to be a special electric atmosphere Friday night in the um, – in the Hornet Nest, but they've got to get some guys healthy, Jeff, banged up, and uh, Coach Beach and uh, um, preview podcast that we did. He mentioned, look, our ones are going to be as good as any ones that we see, but if we get past that, depth may be an issue, and the injury bug has kind of started to bite, and you can kind of see that depth issue rear its ugly head. You know, and I'll, I'll echo that, what you just mentioned about playing with a heavy heart. One young man on the field in Swan, uh, we, you know, we were trying to get the relationship. We were texting you back and forth. You was actually texting us, which was uh, a good sign. I mean, it was kind of getting your mind off some things, listening to football. And we found, and Swan was playing and was putting on a show. He had two big, huge touchdown runs. Did uh, Swan? I think he ended up being the Devs Pizza Player of the Game uh, for the Popville Hornets. So. They're going to need more of that. You're coming. You're, you know, like I said, we're going to mention and talk more in depth about Picune, but. Coach Jay Beach and this Hornet team knows what this Picune team is bringing in the Popperville. They're going to run it, and they're going to run it, and they're going to run it until you stop it, and then they're going to run it some more. That's what they do. Uh, but always an electric atmosphere at the Hornet's Nest. Uh, Coach Jay Beach and 
Uh, Jonathan Ray, the athletic director, it's homecoming. It will be a tremendous event. There will be people lined up when we get there at 435 o'clock to set up. So should be a good game. And then, you know, I'm going to mention it real quick about Popperville. After this picking game, they get a much-needed buy. Got to get some guys back healthy. Uh, had a couple a uh, couple little injury bugs last week, some illness, but got to get some guys back. But then, Clay, after that bye week, they have three straight road games, starting with Forest County, their first district game. Yeah, and that's an interesting schedule that Coach Beach made out. Uh, after that bye week, they'll get in a district play. It's the first time, Jeff, that they'll see a team their same classification. It'll be the first time they line up against a 4A program, and it'll be – in district play so he will certainly know what he has in his club after that bye week I'm just hoping that we get there healthy and get there uh, ready to go uh, this is a Popperville club that's played for two of the last three state championships on the 4A level there won't be any backup in them uh, come Friday night against Picune. they've split with Picune back-to-back years two classics too those oh, have been yeah. two really good ball games so we encourage you to to get to the Hornets nest if you can't we encourage you uh, to listen to the broadcast because these last two between Popperville and Picune have been a lot of fun to call. Yep, and just a, a quick rundown, Clay, as we end up this roundtable as we get into the interview portion of the podcast. Uh, you know, first up on, on, on the interview is going to be Jerry Grubbs, as you mentioned, longtime uh, PA voice, uh, voice of the, the Picune Maroon Tide. You hear him over the loudspeakers every home game on Friday nights, but he's not only the voice – of the Hornets on Friday night, but he's he's so close, as you mentioned, to this ball club. Uh, he knows <laughs> head coach Dodley. He knows their programs. He's seen them in the state championship forms. He's seen them in their ups and downs as far as, you know, getting beat early in the playoffs and then making the run. So it'll, get, it'll, it'll be a good uh, time to get a different perspective from somebody who's sitting and actually watching the game too and not having to, you know, coach or call a part of that action. And then uh, – Batting second uh, for the for the interviews is going to be John Forcade. If people are out hearing and they say John Forcade, I didn't stutter. It was the correct John Forcade. Saints at Saints quarterback. He's been around different in uh, a number of leagues, whether it be indoor or arena type football leagues. And we're going to get into some of that with him, and then talk a little bit about his son playing uh, playing college ball and how you know how he's following and keeping a track on, on his son playing. Uh, that he's getting able to do that. And then, of course, uh, the, bringing up the rear as far as the, the interviews, it'll be Lee Roberts, USM quarterback. We've had him on the podcast before. He's actually in the USM Hall of Fame as far as the quarterback role uh, that, he's, that he's done at, at USM. But Lee Roberts is also color analyst uh, for John Cox on the radio for the University of Southern Mississippi. Get his perspective on where the Eagles stand, uh, you know, coming off – uh, two wins or two and one in the year, but they've got a tough opponent as they go to Tuscaloosa this Saturday. So that'll be it for the uh, interviews. Uh, just sit back, listen, and hope you enjoy. Yep, Jeff, before you send it to those interviews, you forgot one thing going on in the sports world. My baby Braves are all grown up. That magic try- number. <laughs> I was, trying to, get, I was hey. trying to send it there. Hey, that magic number's three. Three for the Braves. That's special, man. That's Dale Murphy. So before first pitch tonight, that magic number was three to clinch that old division. So next time y'all hear from me, good Lord willing, we'll be talking about the Braves winning the East again. I was trying to send it to the interview. The playoffs. Let's get to those interviews, Jeff. 
If you're looking to insure a new house, car, or motorcycle, give Advantage Insurance Company a call at 601-749-8790 or go by and see Shauna Oder or any one of her friendly agents and let them go to work for you. Advantage Insurance is located at 4201 Highway 11 North in Picayune. We can't wait to visit with a good friend of both Jeff and I, Jerry Grubbs. And Grubbs, thank you for taking time uh, for the podcast. I promise we have a a better introduction that that you'll hear earlier in the podcast, but we know that you've got a firsthand view there of Picayune football. And so that's kind of what we want to tap into, some of that information and kind of see what this Tide Club sitting at 3-0 is all about this year. Well, you know, I do have that first interview, but like everybody else, you know, with these young men, you never know from week to week. I mean, week one and week two were totally different than uh, week three. Uh, you know, of course, it was a completely different offense we were against, but, um, you know, we got some great offensive weapons. Uh, the defense uh, struggled a little bit this past week, uh, trying to adjust to those, uh, you know, those little dump passes. Uh, little slants and things they were running. But I tell you what, give it to Gulfport, man. They had a really good football team. Yeah, and that was it. just kind of, I think, people around the state saw Picune's first two scores, 41-6, 63-7, and then kind of were like, well, let's see what they do against uh, Gulfport and with Crosby throwing a thing all around the park uh, last week. But, Grubby, when you look at 41-63 and 54, my man, that's some points put up through these first three weeks. It's the same godly offense. I mean, they block, they execute the block, and he's always got, you know, a stable full of running backs led by, you know, Cam. And uh, I tell you what, and, and with Cade leading the way, I mean, it's just a one-two punch. And then we've got young kids coming up, Duden Heifer, mm. who uh, broke off a long one other night. So, I mean, uh, it all starts with that O-line, and, and they've done a terrific job so far this year. Like, uh, the the first two series, Gulfport scored in seven plays. The Picayune scored in three. Gulfport scored in five plays, and we came back and scored the next two plays. So it's that same explosive uh, Coach Lee offense that uh, starts with the O-line. Jerry, when you look at, uh, of course, the, the public announcer uh, there for the football games, when you look at the past, that O-line and years past, and defensive line for that matter, has done it and been undersized to kind of do and get the results they have. Over the last two years, though, those lines look like junior college lines. Just talk about the size and athletic ability on both the offense and defensive line for this Picayune club. Man, we really do have some good-looking kids. With Colin Fenton, you know, anchoring it down at fullback, I mean, at center, I mean, he does such a good job uh, not only centering the ball, but but also communicating to his guards and tackles and that's where it starts, like I was talking about a while ago. It's just, you know, we do have some bigger guys this year. Um, you know, we got Carson Connor on defense. His kid is unbelievable. His size, he's just a, a grown man. He's unbelievably strong, but he's young, you know. Um, he'll make some good plays, and, and but uh, we really do. Man, we've got – I'm just uh, trying to think of some of the names of some of the players – I'm sitting on the bench at a ball game now, so I'm trying to take some of the big guys that we do have. Um, Talk to me about Reed, too, um, Grubby. I was interested in him. DeAndre, man, he is unbelievable. 
I saw him in the first game. He got a penalty called on him. They had about a 200-pound fullback come through the line, and he picked him up and pile-drived him. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it wasn't classy, but it just shows you the kind of strength that he has and the ability he has. And he is a huge read. He's an unbelievable player on both sides of football. And, Jerry, when you look at um, making a trip just a little north of there up to uh, Popperville, and, of course, we get the privilege of covering them each and every Friday night. What type of ball game do you expect uh, this Friday when they make it up to the Hornets' nest there? Popperville scares me. You know that. Jay Beach, man, I love it. <sighs> but he will have those boys ready to play. You know, I don't know what's going on with Popperville right now, but I guarantee you that will all be forgotten when we get there Friday night. He will have his boys ready to go. And uh, I tell you, man, uh, I've been seeing good things out of Greg Swan. You know, a transfer from Picayune last year who's been toting the mail up there. Uh, so I expect just be a dogfight. Uh, you know, we were talking about today, if there's five passes thrown between the two teams, <laughs> I'd be surprised. Once again, we're visiting with Jerry Grubbs, the voice of the pop of the Picking Maroon Tide every Friday night at home games as he's the public address announcer on the Pit Lane Oil Change Hotline. And Jerry, we've been a part, me and you personally, of some big ball games when I was there uh, running some music for the uh, for the PA announcer and some state championship uh, bound teams. Some the talk around town is that this team of this year, 2019 is as big as team as uh, Coach Lee has had in a while, including some of them state championship teams. They are big, and they're fast. You know, um, we've got speed on the corners. Uh, we just got to put it together. Man, our defense, uh, you know, the speed on the outside, just containing, trying to keep a little containment in. But they are huge, Jeff. And, and you're right, you and I really had some fun uh, in the booth. And, of course, uh with Clay and my my history, you know, I love you guys, and I know y'all seen a ton of picking and ball, and I love what you guys have transferred up to Popperville and doing there. But um, you know, I'm looking at uh, Kim Moore's son. Oh yeah, um, Khalid. Man, oh he's good. good too, Listen, you talk about, I mean, he, he's not hard mm-hmm. to pick out. What is he like? Fifty-five <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah he's I, a good-looking kid, he's man. No, he's number seven on the program. He's on the end of the line, but man, he is a big youngin. Yep, he's first <laughs> off the bus as a sophomore, so he's the real deal. But, yeah, Picky, you know, they're bigger than they have been. Um, they're fast. Uh, I just – but, like I say, I'll never, ever count Jay Beach out of anything, buddy. We will, I guarantee you he'll give Picky everything they want and more Friday night. I will be there. I'm coming. So, I'm going to tune you guys in and listen. Hey, Grubby, one last question, and we'll get let you get back. Uh, Jerry's out there helping the youth coaching football uh, tonight. So we've got him on a break from that. One last question. Tell me what you've seen from Jalen Hall at, at the start of this year. Of course, I've seen him on the basketball court. Tell me what he looks like out on the football field. You know, Jalen is one of those sleepers. You know, I didn't I didn't know too much about him except that he was an outstanding basketball player. And the first game we saw a little explosiveness out of him. God used him very sparingly. And then the second game against Meridian, he really cranked him up. And I'm telling you what, against uh, Gulfport the other night, he was, you know, he used him at will. And uh, this kid is amazing. I tell you, he's going to be something else. 
Yeah. He is really fast and he is strong. And he's built. I mean, you hate to use the word D one like a asset or something, but he's exactly. built just like a D one guy should be. He sure is. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hall is a man, and just like I talk about Carson Connor, he's also <sighs> built like a D one You know, like I know what that takes, but I mean, <laughs> you and I know what we see going on to the mm-hmm. major colleges, and and both these two fit the bill. Absolutely, Grubby man. It's certainly always good to catch up. Uh, with you, get back to your uh, practice, air brother. But we appreciate you joining the podcast right, hey, tonight, I'll my friend. I'll see y'all Friday night, and uh, you know, I just hope it's a good game for Purvis County. We all got something to be proud of down here. Absolutely, thank you, Grubby. Thank you, guys. Love y'all. Hey, folks! If you need that special sweet treat for birthdays, anniversaries, or just because, stop by and see our friends at Katie Cake and Company. They are located at 109 West Canal Street in Picayune. Let Katie Cake and Company satisfy your sweet tooth. Shh! Your scale will never have to know. We're pri- privileged enough to be joined by former Ole Miss and former Saint quarterback and a member of the Greater New Orleans Hall of Fame, John 4K tonight. Thank you, John, for joining the podcast. Oh, man, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I apologize a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, I think the hernia won out. And, uh, but I'm looking forward to it tonight. Let's have some fun and uh, ask some questions. I'll try to give you all some legit answers. Good deal. And, John, just certainly, I guess, top of the mind to all New Orleans Saints fans, um, the Drew Brees injury and kind of where do the Saints go uh, from here, your perspective on that. Well, it, it's hard. You know, you're hearing all the fans and you hear a lot of talk on you know social media and facebook and everywhere else you want to look at it oh they need to go get eli manning they need to go get this they need to trade for this quarterback let me tell you something right now they're paying seven million dollars guarantee to teddy bridgewater he's been here all the last season he's been here he's not going anywhere they're going to give teddy bridgewater every opportunity uh to, to do something with this team now he needs help he needs a running game he needs the offensive line to help out and he needs other players to step up, and he needs his defense to step up as well. I totally believe this. They'll go with Bridgewater in this game against Seattle. You'll probably see he'll play a little bit, but I think it's going to be all Bridgewater. John, when you look at the first two games, with Breeze or without, um, do you think that the Saints can kind of hold water until Breeze can get back if he's coming back? Is this still a playoff-caliber team? Well, here's my take on that. You know, it's going to be tough to go to Seattle and win this weekend. It's going to be very tough to play at home against the Cowboys. Uh, they're they're such one of the best, they're, they're such a team that uh, they look like a doggone Super Bowl caliber club right now. I'm not feeling good about those two games, but the ones after that, I feel a lot better about the Tampa Bay, the Arizona, the Jacksonville, and the Chicago game. I really truly believe they can win those football games and you get a bye week, and then you get Drew Brees back. If they can go, look, they can go three and five, four and four, they're still in the thick of it because I'm looking at this is going to happen. Whoever comes out the South, whoever wins the South is going to be a 10 and six, nine and 17. And if somebody's fighting for the wild card spot, good luck with nine and seven. John, I hate to say it this way, but certainly you're no stranger to the quarterback position, and unfortunately you're no stranger to surgery. And so when you look at what Drew's facing with this surgery on his hand, I mean, what do you know about that surgery and kind of what are your expectations after the fact? Well, it's funny that you're saying this. I had a a torn tendon in my thumb, my finger, I threw a pass, and and my hand went right in the guy's helmet. 
And they had to stitch me up and everything. It was hard to, to do anything the rest of that game. But the next game I played. I played with it. But the problem with Drew is where he dislocated or where the ligament tear is, it's more not at the tip of the, uh, the thumb, it's at the base back of the thumb, which goes to the hand. That's the issue he has because that pain goes all the way through the hand. Well, if you got it at the tip of the thumb, it's a little bit different. You can use your palm and you can use your hand to throw the football with. Uh, it's going to be, a, you know, can he maybe squeeze five weeks out of it? it? Depending on the surgery and how bad it is once they open him up to see how bad it is. But, you know, let's just say it's six weeks. Because you also got the bye week. So, mm-hmm. you know, that'll help with the bye week. So I'm, I'm looking at six weeks. If, if, if Drew's the kind of, kind of guy I know he is, I think six weeks would be enough for him. John, when you look, I mean, certainly you're a football guy. You know it's just not one one position. But the components around when you look at that run game and how Coach Payton coaches that offense, uh, what needs to come alongside of Bridgewater uh, to make him serviceable at least through these next few ball games? Well, definitely. Alvin Kamara has to, has to do his job. You can't, you can't run Alvin Kamara 22 times a game. You've got to give Murray a little bit more carries. The O-line has to play a lot better than it did this week compared to when they played the first game against Houston. They did a lot better. Now, with all that being said, he might have to do something, Sean Payton is, to help out Teddy Bridgewater, maybe move him a little bit, you know, maybe move the pocket, maybe some bootlegs, some waggles, as we used to call it when we were playing, just to get him on the outside a little bit. Not to say I want to get him on the outside to run, but to get the chance to get away from the pass rush and do some things of that nature. Maybe start throwing the ball quicker, you know, quick passing game, quick screen, some waggle passes, dump to the tight end. Other guys need to step up and help him out. And I, and I think you will see a little bit different style of, play selection with uh, Bridgewater than you had with Drew. Once again, we're joined by uh, Saints, former Saints quarterback and Ole Miss uh, quarterback, John Forcade. And, and John, I just want, I want to I want to transition from the New Orleans Saints a little bit and ask you to put on your dad hat. I've talked a little bit, uh, some uh, interviews before, and asked certain people to put on their dad hat. But you have a, a young man in Chase down there for the Nickel State uh, quarterback at Nickel State, I think you've, I'm looking right here, was Louisiana Sports Writer Association Offensive Player of the Week uh, just this past week. So what do you? Uh, what kind of pride are you are – you, I know you've been on the road. You've been in so many different leagues as far as playing and being, uh, uh, you know, chairman or, or GM of so many different leagues. But you put on your dad hat now and talk a little bit. We'll let you brag a little bit about Chase down there for Nickel State. Okay, well, first I'm going to put on my uncle hat. I'm his uncle. Uh, oh. Keith Forcade Keith is his dad. I got right, you. But look, I, I'm proud as a peacock as well as my brother Keith. Look, Chase has done phenomenal. He started from day one when he walked on campus. And people don't realize this. He turned down, uh, you know, major college scholarships. You know, Maryland wanted him so bad. They, they wanted him to go there. Southern Mississippi. Then he had the, you know, he had the Sunbelt Conference schools. He had some, you know, Conference USA schools. But the reason the young man stayed and wanted to play at Nichols was a couple of reasons. One is they were going to play him as a freshman. Two was he's got a handicapped brother. He's confined to a wheelchair. He wanted his brother. That's how close they are to hmm. see him play all his games. And those two guys are like two things in a pot. But I'll say this much. You know, he's six foot one, 200 pounds, playing his butt off. Like I said, day one goes into the Georgia Bulldogs, 90,000 fans as a starting freshman. Shows up over there, 
had Georgia beaten until they take him out of the game and let the backup quarterback get one series. He fumbled. Georgia mm. picks it up, runs it in, and they end up losing the game 26-24. But Chase has played well. You know, knock on wood, he's been very healthy. He has this game. Uh, he's done fantastic. Uh, we love it. We go to all his games. And, I mean, the young man, you know, he's going to graduate. He could have graduated early. Uh, like I said, when, when, when there was teams that came to him this past offseason that asked for him to uh, give up his senior year to come to a bigger school, and he turned that down and said, nope, I'm staying here and finishing out my career. Well, you know, we had a little uh, either read that wrong or some misinformation, but that's Uncle John watching uh, yeah. watching Chase play. But, you know, John, I want – you know, you were talking about the offers that Chase had could have went, you know, you know, big schools but decide to stay local. And that kind of – I guess that's going to lead into a question I've got. I mentioned that you've been a part of so many indoor professional leagues, arena leagues. You were down here with the Mississippi Fire Dogs. I remember those days down on the coast. Do you think anything is going to transition and come about – for some kind of minor league football system, uh, we've seen this, uh, the AAF, you know, the AAL try to come into it, and then you got the XFL coming back. But is there anything that you can see kind of like the NBA, some kind of a minor league or some maybe overseas thing that can get these guys uh, that's coming out of college but not quite ready for the NFL, that they can go somewhere, earn a little money, and get in front of some more NFL scouts? Well, if they do that, they cannot do it running the same time at the NFL because that's it's great that you can do that, but it's hard because they're not going to get the attendance. A lot of people won't go see them play because they'd rather see college football and NFL. Now, with all that being said, you remember when they had the European League or the, the league, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, across the lake? That produced a lot of great football players that went to the NFL. The NFL backed it. Now, let me say this. If the XFL can stay afloat, and do the right things, and don't step on anybody's toes. And eventually, they get together with the the NFL and say, "Hey, listen, we're the XFL. We'll play in the spring football league. We will have that need to get together. Say, okay, we, if we have eight teams in the league, uh, the NFL's got 32 divided up. Maybe four teams in the NFL can pick players from you know, this team, and four other ones can go to this team. They need to have a spring football league." Uh, for these kids, for these young players who need to get developed, uh, who don't make it in the NFL, who can possibly play in the NFL, but they need the repetition and the playing experience. They need to do that. The NFL needs to have a farm league in some capacity. I don't care if it's, you know, five teams, six teams, or whatever it may be. But I think the XFL stays afloat, does does everything great, stays in the spring football league. Then they can sit there and say, okay, NFL, we'll, we'll, you know, if you need some players, we'll work a deal out with you, whatever it may be. Uh, that's what needs to be done. They definitely need to have a spring league to help these guys who can't make the NFL now. John, when you look at uh, college football, we've described your your playing days. Of course, a great quarterback there at Ole Miss. I'm a Southern Miss guy. Jeff across from me is as well. I'm getting at the parity or lack thereof in college football. And 10 years from now, are we still talking about uh, the same setup you think in college football with the parity situation? And then you see recently, I guess, as this week, California kind of talking about paying uh, college athletes. Like, where is that game going at the college level, John? Well, I don't think you should be paying college athletes. If you're going to do anything of that nature, you remember, if you pay – College football players, you got to pay college baseball players, college basketball players. It is going to become 
people talk about, oh, yeah, you, we, need, we need you to come to our school because we can pay you an endorsement. And, you know what, they can go around all that by getting some car dealership guys and say, hey, we need this guy here. Well, let's funnel some money through this and get these guys. I think what California did is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now, with all that being said, there's ways you can go about it. You can sit there and say, do you pay your star quarterback? What about the guy who's number 88 on the roster? Do you not pay him? Do you, are you going to pay select players? And then you're going to have issues. And so what I think that needs to be done is they need to put a pool of money somehow, somewhere, all this money that the NCAA teams are making or the conferences that are making, pool some money, put it at the end. When you're done playing, give some guys X amount of dollars or you know, spread it out a little bit as it goes on. But they need to all be paid the same. That's what needs to be done if you're going to do that. Now, as far as these different leagues and teams and things, look, 10 years from now, I believe you're going to start seeing, you know, they're going to be 10 or 12, you know, teams in a playoff. You, you can't go for, um, you know, some people are going to start whining about it. I think you get about eight teams, you know, 10 teams, or however you want to do it. That, would, that, that needs to be done. I think you need to expand the playoff picture. That'll help out. But it, it's still going to be your top teams. I mean, let's be honest. You're going to have an SEC, an ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, and maybe a Pac-12 might sneak one in there, but then you'll get a couple of these other uh, teams. But, you know, we all have to realize this. Those power fives in the group five, there's no comparison. The group five, this UCF BS is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they play one or two teams that are in the power five. Yeah, great. They ain't playing the Alabamas, the Clintons, the Oklahomas, and Ohio State. They're playing the beat-up Stanford team. They're playing the lower unit mm-hmm. teams that are in the you know. And then another thing, look at their conferences. I mean, the conference games, you know, how about them playing against SEC teams five, six weeks in a row? The Alabama, the LSU, the Arbors, the A&M, you know, the Georgia, the Florida. Let them play those schedules. He come up and start yapping. No, you know, they'll get a shot once, you know, once a year. But overall, it, it's the big boys versus the little guys. What they need to do, have a Power 5 national championship and have a group of five national championship. That will set everybody up. Well, John, man, we know you've got a bunch going on. We certainly uh, allowing allowing us to steal some time with you has been a privilege. So we thank you for your time tonight. Tell our, our listeners, John, how they can find um, your coverage or any way that they can kind of keep up with your takes on Saints football. I'm on. Uh, we got an ESPN here in New Orleans, ESPN 100.3 FM. Uh, that's how you keep up with me. And, and on the Gulf Coast, you tune in. You can watch. Uh, Ocean Sevens Television. I have the uh, Saints Minute with John Forte, and so basically, I'm on ESPN, you know, FM 100.3. So you can tune in, and I guess you can stream it on, you know, on the internet as well. That's right. But that's that's the best way to do it. But you know, guys, I appreciate. It. Anytime you want to, you know, have some more conversation between now and the end of the year, give me a ring. Will do. Thank you, John. All right, guys. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Whether you're hungry for seafood, po'boys, or salads, go see Kelly's Po'boys located in Picayune and proudly serving Pearl River County for nearly 20 years. It's a little bit of New Orleans right here in Picayune. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we're adding new services and personnel every day. Please welcome Kimberly Carver, FNPC to the Highland Pediatric and Primary Care Rural Health Clinic. She's another addition to our expanding family of service providers. Please call 601-358-9765 to schedule an appointment. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. 
Joining the podcast tonight is former Golden Eagle quarterback and member of the M Club Sports Hall of Fame there at Southern Miss. Now color analyst for the uh, radio broadcast alongside uh, John Cox. And Lee, thank you for taking time for the podcast tonight, bud. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, appreciate all that y'all do. Lee, let's uh, jump in, and, and we'll get to the Alabama game, but I wanted to kind of start by getting your opinion and your feel uh, through three ball games on where you think the Golden Eagles are so far. You know, I felt like the first two ball games we played better defensively. We just kind of sputtered a little bit offensively, and then I was glad to see us really get some stuff going that third game against Troy. And, uh, you know, offensively, I felt like, you know, passing-wise, we were able to do anything that we wanted to. Still not 100% on our running game, but I feel like things are moving in the right direction, moving to Michael Harris back there, getting a, you know, a little bit more of a speedster. You know, obviously we've got other weapons out wide, but when he's on the field, it gives us, you know, basically five true weapons as far as athletes go. So that's, that's going to be our best bet moving forward offensively. But defensively, I, I feel like we've got all the tools in place. We had some you know, changing up at linebacker a little bit last week, and then we've had Routine Booth that was, you know, injured the week before. So there's there's always going to be moving parts. I feel like overall we're playing pretty good offensively and defensively, and then special teams I feel like, hey, you get you get three returns for touchdowns in three mm. games, is, that's pretty good as well. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, talk about uh, – let's talk about last week and from your perspective as a former – quarterback both quarterbacks kind of had their way how fun was that to watch as a former quarterback you know that was a that was a wonderful game especially that second half and really especially that fourth quarter seeing seeing both guys out there dueling it out obviously jack abraham having a a great day completing his first 17 passes in a row and honestly his 18th pass was pretty much a ball that was thrown to kind of an out just thrown out of bounds you know either his wide receiver is going to catch it or nobody was but Jack, Jack's as sharp as they come when he has time to set his feet and throw. And then, obviously, on the other side of the ball, you know, Caleb Barker last week was, was pretty good as well. So, I think, you know, about 1,000 a, a yards or more combined both teams last week and uh, really more 1,100 yards combined, I guess, offensively, both teams between Southern Miss and Troy. Lee, from your perspective, I'll, I'll just get you to talk about um... – what Watkins adds to this offense, of course, out those first two ball games, and then had a huge game this last Saturday. But moving forward, if we can't run the ball, maybe just like we want to, uh, what dimension does he add to this dynamic passing offense? You know, getting getting Quez Watkins back this past week was, I mean, a quarterback's dream. Obviously, he was leading receiver last year, and then you know, coming back and doing what he did Saturday, over 200 yards uh, receiving. And, I mean, just athletic, a guy that can, you know, a big target can go get the football. And, you know, he and Jack Abraham obviously were hitting on all cylinders. And it, it, it's a huge addition back to this team. And, you know, he was welcome back, obviously, with, with a big game. You know, obviously moving forward, we want to run the football. But, um, you know, and, and I think it's going to come. But in the meantime, I think Quez is a, a huge asset to this football team. Lee, I've put it off as long as I could, basically. But let's move to the Alabama game. I mean, that's going to be a monumental task. That goes without saying. But um, just shoot us straight, man. What what would Southern Miss have to do to hang around and have a chance uh, potentially to pull a, a big u- upset on the road n- this week? 
you know, Southern Miss has, has got the tools that they need to, to be successful, whether or not, you know, they go and use those tools and, and play effectively on Saturday. I, I can't really say till we get there, obviously, but, you know, I, I think if, if we can run the football, I think we're going to be able to throw if Jack's able to have some time. You know, Alabama is what they are. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the country, and, you know, we've got our work cut out for us. But it's a it's a task that anybody would want to take on, and you've got to be excited about it from national television and uh, in front of a huge audience, a huge crowd. And, you know, it would be an unbelievable atmosphere as well there in Tuscaloosa. So I, I think we've got to just basically, you know, bottom line, we've got to play mistake-free on Saturday. Lee, when you look back to your playing days, I guess mid through late 90s there, of course that was a team that wasn't afraid to go play uh, anywhere. You know, Kind of talk to us, if you would, of uh, your memories of going into some settings like this team is going to go into on Saturday and how, how fine those memories are for you. You know, our motto back then was anyone, anywhere, anytime, and, and, and we really meant it. I know in my time at at Southern Miss, played a lot of SEC schools, played some Big Ten schools. And, uh, you know, we just we thrived on those atmospheres. And, you know, unfortunately didn't win too many of those games. But as a team, what you want to do is better, you know, advance from point A to point B and say, hey, we were able to work on some things. We got better. And it's going to be better in the long run once we start our conference play week after next as well. So, um, you know, as a player, it's a – Huge, huge opportunity to, to go shine, and if if somebody like Jack Abraham or Quez Watkins or you know anybody goes and shines, the whole nation's going to see it. It's going to um, you know be able to be on somebody's radar as as did last week. I mean, you know Quez, I saw Quez Watkins you know listed as one of the top performers on Twitter, and Jack Abraham now listed as you know one of the you know watch list quarterbacks. So that those things happen when you go play big teams, and if those kind of guys can play well, I expect big things from us this weekend. Once again, we're joined by former University of Southern Mississippi quarterback and uh, Hall of Fame Southern Miss player uh, right there, Lee Roberts, on the pit lane oil change performance line. And, uh, Lee, what you, you kind of lead into my question about Jack Abraham on the watch list and stuff like that. What does this Southern Miss team have to do uh, to get back in some kind of a national spotlight? I know Conference USA play has been down. Everybody's – I've uh, been talking about Twitter and stuff about Conference USA being down. But, you know, back in them late 90s, early 2000s, when you had the Nasty Bunch defense ranked top five in the nation as far as giving up uh, scores and giving up yards, what are some things that Southern Miss as a school or as a program has to do uh, to get back in some kind of a national spotlight throughout the country? You know, you, what, what you've got to do is be able to perform when you have the opportunity. And if it's Alabama this weekend – you know, go and go and represent your school and your state and, and play well. And then when you get in conference USA, you've got to you gotta win those conference games. And I think for Southern Miss to get back where they need to be is they've got to be playing the conference championship game year in, year out, bar none. And you know, we've got the team this year to do it and I expect nothing less. And so, you know, come December I expect this team to, you know, be playing for the conference championship and having that opportunity to go play for another bowl game this year as well. So that that's what this team's gonna have to do to get back on the spotlight, get back to where they, they have been and where they need to be. Lee, one more question, and then uh, we'll get you out of here. We certainly appreciate you once again visiting us and giving a unique perspective on this week's coming ball game. Uh, my question, the new offensive coordinator, 
what have you seen a difference in the offense, and and what kind of what do you appreciate that he's uh, brought to this Southern Miss club? You know, I think just as a whole, what Buster Faulkner has done. I mean, he, you know, take nothing for Shannon Dawson. I love Shannon Dawson. I thought he did some great things here at Southern Miss, but I think Buster Faulkner is a, is a different style coach. You know, obviously he has inherited certain players, and for him to be successful with those players, that speaks volumes of him. And you know, again, just the the effort that he's put in with, you know, helping Jack get to that next level. Um, already seeing some progress at running back where our number one running back goes down in week one. And then, you know, obviously last week we finally had our full arsenal of wide receivers. And I think just getting the mix of players where they need to be to, to make this team tick. And, you know, one area that I've seen some, some growth as well is the offensive line. And so just as a whole, I think this offense is definitely moving forward. And, you know, Buster Faulkner is, is the guy that's kind of controlling that, but he's got some great coaches around him as well. Lee, we appreciate your time tonight, man. Travel safe over to Alabama and have a good call. All right, I appreciate you guys. Y'all have a great one now.